it's a craggy rugby special. My name's Alan Deegan, and myself and Danny, uh, the stats man, have been working, doing a lot of work over the summer on looking at the stats of the players that have played for Connacht right through from the start of the professional era in 1995. Um, we've listed it all out, we sent it out to fans, we've got a lot of people sending back their top three selections for each position. So now we've got the craggy crew, or most of the craggy crew together, to talk about that. So tonight we've got Lindy McKenzie. Hi, Lindy. Hello, evening. We've got Niall Packy Shield. For people who are confused when we use Niall and Packy, he's the one person. Hi, you, Niall. Both of us are, are great. How are you? <laughs> and of course, Dave Finn. We couldn't forget Dave. I'm sure we'll find oh. some rants out of you tonight, Dave. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to rant. It is, there, there, there will be passion discussion. There will be no rants. There will indeed. There will indeed. So the way we're going to run this tonight, we're going to we're going to look at um, groupings of the players, rather than, in order to, to keep this not, not from going on all night. We're going to group them into the various groupings: so the back three, centres, halfbacks, front row, second row, and back row. One on, the one main thing we can't do tonight is pick the same player in multiple positions. So, for instance, John Muldoon, and Danny will give me the stat on John Muldoon in a second. I'm sure could easily be picked at six and eight. And the reason for that, Danny? John Muldoon has played the most games at uh, six as well as eight. Started the most games. Started more games than anyone at six and started more games than anyone at eight. So, you know, yes, he had 327 games, so you can imagine he managed to do that. So, yes, we're, we're limiting him to one. Okay, but, okay, can I interrupt? Of, yeah. those, of those games, how many more did he play at six or eight? Okay, two seconds. So uh, he started 167 games at six. Yeah. And he started uh, 111 games at eight. Okay. That's great. Thanks. Good to know. Good to know. And then he also can tell us who the most successful players are in those positions. In other words, from start, and, and we only did starting, we could not possibly even consider doing you know, players when they come off the bench and winning percentages. So we only did winning percentages from when they started matches. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll bring that in as we go along. So if if we get into a, a debate about certain things, we can um, we can always use that as a, a tiebreaker. So let's start with the back three. Starting at full back, we have a choice of Gavin Duffy, Tinner O'Halloran, or Danny Reardon. They were the three most popular players. But if you want to add someone else in there, we can. At fourteen, we're looking at uh, Nia Yadiloken, Sean Carr, and Connor McPhillips. And then on the, at eleven, we're looking at Matt Healy, Fedu Vanakolu, and Danny Pullman. So, let's go. Lindley, you've watched more rugby than all of us put together, I'd say, from a conic point of view. What do you think? Okay, well, for a start, I didn't go back as far as the 1990s. I only went back to about 2005, so I'm probably maybe missing someone out here. So, for that, I apologise. But, the, look, the first two in, at, at fullback who came to mind were immediately Gavin Duffy mm-hmm. and Turner O'Holloran. They were the immediate two. And if I was to go back and look at the two of those players, um, I think Gavin has been through probably a lot more changes within Connacht during that time. He's gone through a lot of, he went through the years when Connacht were, you know, going to be, a, you know, disbanded. Um, and I, if, it was, if, if I was to choose between those two, I would probably choose Gavin Duffy. Fans' choice as well for how he had the most choice so far. What do you think, Niall? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I kind of, uh, I also we kind of missed out on really on a few really good years of, um, from Duffy when he was in Harlequin. So on balance, I'd probably have to go with it as well. Dave, are you going to back that up? Yeah, more or less. I think we have to explain to people. There's two things to strike me about just in general and and specifically fullback is um, probably we have to distinguish. This is the best Connacht fullback. Because you can make a case that the best fullback who's ever played for Connacht is Mills Molaina. That's my choice. But he is not the best Connacht fullback because on the pitch, and we have to go on the pitch, he was massively important off the pitch, but on the pitch, he was not the best fullback, best Connacht fullback. Mm-hmm. There's also recency bias because when I first started watching Connacht, it was Gavin was at 15 and Tiernan was at 14. And I think a lot of the a lot of fans have come in the last five or six years have only seen Tiernan as a fullback. But in terms of the three, and I mean it's very harsh. I I have to hold my hands up here. There's a few of the guys that we'll be talking about in the in the in the fans list that I didn't see in the flesh. I've only seen on TV. Danny Rudin would definitely be one of those. So I think the guys are right. I think in terms of purely in the best fullback Connacht has had in terms of what he's done on the pitch, it's Gavin. But if we do this in five years' time, Tiernan could well come out on top. Sorry, Can I yeah. just say there, if we do it in five years' time, it could be John Porch. He certainly started well. I thought John Porch would be problematic at fullback, and I'm really happy to say he has really, certainly in these early days as a fullback, proved me hopelessly wrong on that, and I'm delighted to say so. Good. And, of course, nobody picked Henshaw, because that's where he started with us as a fullback. Yeah, that's true. What was, what was the stats there, Danny, for Henshaw? Henshaw has 33 starts at fullback, and he's a 55% winning ratio. 33? Yeah, yeah. Gavin Duffy? Uh, Gavin Duffy had the most. He has 137 starts for Connacht at fullback, but only a 34% winning ratio. And Tiernan had uh, 110 starts with a 50% ratio. Yeah, but as, as I think Lindy, as Lindy rightly said, Gavin played when um, Connacht were not <laughs> the most successful team in the world. Okay, so 15 is Gavin Duffy. 14, Nia Diolokan, Sean Carr, Conor McPhillips. Anybody else? Wayne won fairly, fairly soldiered there when uh, when there wasn't a lot going on for Connacht. But I'm, I'm not sure if he was on the left wing or the right wing, actually. The funny thing, he was more of a left winger. But uh, I think when there were slim pickings, he came up trumps an awful lot for Connacht. I have another one as well, and that's um, Matt Moston. Yes. I'm not sure if he was left or right, but he definitely played more than 100 times for Connacht, was obviously selected on the Irish team, and I think he scored something like 115 points in my stats. I'm not sure if that's correct, but that's what I have. So I'll put him in the mix as well. Matt Marston actually played uh, fullback uh, both wings and 13. That's almost problematic. Uh, Duffy did the same. Yeah, Duffy, Mostyn, Reardon and Munn all played fullback, both wings and 13 for Connacht. So, so what about Matt Mostyn, anyone else fancy Matt Mostyn at 14 over me, Eddie Logan, Fionn Carr? I probably do, you know. I didn't think of him, but I probably do. I think Fionn is going to suffer from not second season syndrome, but second spell syndrome. For the younger and the more recent cohort, they'll only remember him from the second um in the second spell post when he came back from from up the, the up the east, but in the first season, that first spell he was superb. Matt Mawson hadn't even again. Just, slightly just, before. Just, just, I, I 
If you want to, just a, a quick stat, I know I'm taking over from Danny on this one, but Fionn Carr is the second top try scorer on 42 tries for Connacht. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I wonder, listen, we, could we, I suppose we, this is why we're doing this, but you know, you have the ratio of um, games, games played and all that. He had a spectacular, his first spell, he had a spectacular try scoring rate. Just, he seemed to pull tries out of, uh, out of a lot of, out of thin air a lot of times. Okay, any any thoughts for Adi Loken? Because uh, you talk about recency bias, that's who the fans went for. I uh, just yeah. want to give you a stat on Adi Loken. Adi Loken was the most started uh, 14 per count at uh, 76 times. Wow. And Matt Mostyn was in second with 46 starts. I find that, I, that's, that's, that's surprising. I think Nee's story is, is more where he came from, both as a person and, and in terms of rugby, is that he's not... It's, Players who are playing for Trinity don't necessarily become internationals. The fact that he we gave him a chance, he took it with both hands and 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 has um, has run with it. It's just when he was good, he was very. Good. I think I think he's a bit like some of the guys in this list. He's going to suffer from the fact that he he got injured a lot and that kind of killed his momentum. I think the other thing about Nee is that he came as a very raw winger. And to be fair, he saved his best to that final um, in, in Edinburgh. It was the first time I had seen him play with such confidence. Um, even the chip ahead that he did for that try, was he'd never done it before. And I thought that was ultimately his most, his, his most brilliant performance. But I don't think from start to finish for Connor, he was probably the best on that wing. Fair enough. Okay, so we go with Matt Mostyn then? Irish international, played multiple positions? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would, actually. And then he wants Matt Mostyn and Dave, come on. Personally, um, I would go with Fionn, but it's 2-1. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight that. There's, I may save, I may save it for, uh, for, for, for further on. But, uh, no. Look, I must say, can I just interrupt? I, I, I mentioned Matt only because he wasn't on the list. Um, I have. I, I think Fionn Carr was outstanding at, at the time. He was a, a superb winger. He lit. He, he, you know, he lit the sports ground up whenever he took the ball. So um, when I said mention Matt Marston, it wasn't that I was against Fionn Carr. Um, I was just mentioning his name because I thought he, you know, he while while he was with Connacht, he was a consistently high performer. Go on, go on. Tell me who you're choosing. Who would you pick? To be honest, between the two, I'm not overly sure apart from I think that possibly Matt contributed more to Connacht than than Fionn I I might jump in here and help you out on this Carr actually only started 28 times on uh, as at 14 and only won 25% of his games he was actually he actually started a lot more at 11 he started 58 times and had a 40% winning record. There's an argument to be made we can pick the two of them because there are two wing positions. Are you going to tell me you're not going to pick, pick Matt Healy, our top try scorer in the other position? Okay, can I, and can I just jump in here again? Because I'm confused about the wings. Because I, I didn't really, I, I'm not really conscious of, I didn't really write the different 14 and 11 down here and, and list them off. Um, another one can I throw into the mix is, is uh, Donnie Pullman. Uh, Danny Pullman's there at 11 he's down as a third choice Fetu Vinicolo is also down as a possible for 11 mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't I don't I don't think Fetu probably played enough for Connacht can I um, well, I, instead of getting let's pick 14 why don't we just pick the two best wingers 
because because wingers wingers unlike props can switch with relatively little problem. Because <laughs> I think I think if you look at I think I think Marsh again he he came from NI he came from from AIL his problems have been injuries but given that he has been so injury troubled in the last two to three years he still comes up with tries. It's just okay, the so, injuries okay. are just so, taking. So in order to you know to, to to make sure we keep this this, this rock and roll and give me. I want each of you uh, I will and, and Niall to give me your two wingers it, it, it doesn't matter which just two wingers I, I think I'd go with Matt Mostyn and with the two Matts actually Matt Mostyn and Matt Healy go on Lee. good balance on that actually as well a bit more size to Matt Mostyn mm-hmm. yeah out the right wing yeah I'm thinking yeah I think that's a pretty fair a, pr- a pretty fair um, selection to be honest I, 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 as, as a, I personally liked Donny Pullman's play. I thought he contributed a huge amount to Connor while he was there, but maybe he didn't have the same excitement that Matt Healy brings to the game. So I would probably agree with Matt he- the two Matts, Matt Healy and Matt Mostyn. Well, I like I, said, I personally would go for Fiona Mass, but I have no objections to the two Matts. Okay, much easier, much easier selection now in the centres. Um, at 12, I don't think there's going to be too many people arguing with Bundyaki. He was certainly the only person who got um, unanimous decision wearing the 12 jersey was, was Bundyaki. Um, the other choices then that, that are on there are Dave McSherry and Keith Matthews. Then at 13, the most popular choice, not by much, was Robbie Henshaw with Tom Farrell close behind and, and Darren Yap not that much further behind for people who would have remembered Darren Yap, who was a, a fine, fine player in the early days of Connacht Rugby. Mm. Mm. Okay, Lindley, I'll let you go first again. Hey, look, can I have to, listen, I have to add another one to the mix. Go for it. I just have to. And you could probably guess who my, I might say. And I have to give him a nod because he's still with Connacht. Come on, guys. Not Tim. Absolutely, Tim. He might get a highly commended, but I Shocking have to give a nod bias. to Tim. The bias. No. Oh, okay, hang on. Hold on a second. Wait a second. Let's Danny give you some stats on Tim Allen. Do you have the stats there for Tim Allen, Danny? I do, yeah. Uh, I have stats for Tim when he started at 12. He started 46 games and he had 52% winning ratio. Jeez. There you go. Think about when he was playing for Connacht. Connacht were very good when he was playing for Connacht. (laughs) (laughs) Great wins. I think Darren Yep was an amazing player as well, to be honest. And there's another player I'll throw in, I'll throw in there as well who was a huge servant to Connacht Rugby. We're not necessarily always talking about the best on the pitch in some cases, but I think Owen Griffin was a huge, huge um, you know, performer and servant to Connacht Rugby in his best days when he was there. Yes, he was very close to getting in there instead of Darren Yap. There was only one vote in it. <laughs> I think, I, I think the, the choice here in many ways, is, is pretty obvious because they probably are the two who have gone on for international honours. Yeah, I don't think we'll get any arguments there, are we, guys? It's very unusual that you can say for, for Connacht, well, it's been as nice and all as we can be, that you can say at the time, Aki and Henshaw were, in my opinion anyway, and I, don't, you, I could say it in any company, were probably the best central partnership in Europe mm. at the time when they were at that season that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a shame. Like, Tom Farrell has been absolutely, he's been fantastic over the last number of years and he's he's brought something to the table that I think very few players in Ireland have, you know, with his you know with his ability to offload in that, 
but Aki and Henshaw were just mm. they were they were a solid they were a stone wall in the center and mm. they just uh, to me they just they were just brilliant there and I watched the final again there lately and um I've done that too just to see <laughs> yeah yeah we all have probably uh, whenever you need to pick me up but the whole like Henshaw was was absolutely he was outrageous mm. then he really was he really was they were outrageous i think i think it was it was some partnership and you can even see it the odd time when they play for ireland actually they just um they seem to they have sort of have a, they sort of have yeah. an intuitive intuitive sort of relationship don't they yeah they do they do so that was a nice easy one let's let's move on to one that will probably be relatively easy the last of the back backline partnerships um looking at 9 and 10 so according to the fans Eric Elwood edges out Jack Carty with uh, Ash McGinty coming in in the third spot and then for the at nine you've Kieran Marmion followed by Conor McGuinness and then quite a distance behind actually was, was Frank Murphy but like anyone else got stuff they want to throw in there that we're, we might be missing? No, no I would I would have I would have yeah it's, it's the only other lot. one solid before he left was Ian Keekley. Um but I don't think he can compare to <laughs> look to be honest you know <laughs> You can't go. You, you just can't go past Eric Elwood. There is a there is a clear drop off between the top two, and it shows how, it shows how yeah. much of an impression Ash made that he was here for yes less than a calendar year, and he stirred. And if you yeah. think consider that we had again, we're back to great players who happened to play for Connacht rather than great Connacht players. Dan Parks was yes. here. Uh, Maya yep. Nakora was a great servant, but he still. We won't talk about what William thinks of Maya Nakora. Good idea. Good say. idea. Thank, thank you for that. But I mean, I mean, Jack is. I mean, the reason I stayed in the final was because Jack had his his horrible accident. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But then, but then I, I was brilliant in the final, but it says a lot about how far ahead. Jack is of age that the starting fullback in the seat in the game we the only final we've won is third behind well behind Jack, but um, Jack is still and he could become the greatest half we've ever had, but he's still behind Eric. There's no question about it. I think when you just remember though, you know, I mean Eric is an exception to everyone, really, isn't he? Yeah. You know, but we are talking about different times and different stages of from when Eric started, when the game went professional, and then when the game went semi-professional, and when the game went, you know, so, so highly professional that it is as, as it is today. So we are talking about, you know, Eric crosses kind of a few errors in, in that sense. Yes. Um, but still, obviously, the, the, the greatest out half is, you know, that, that Conant has produced. Well, Jack just recently passed out Eric for the most starts. Uh, Jack has 113 starts for Connacht. Eric had 112. Wow. But a big difference is in the points. Eric uh, scored 1,038 points for Connacht. And um, I actually haven't updated this, but it's it's roughly around 780 points for Jack. Like it, It's a little bit unfair to sort of compare Jack with Eric because Eric's finished, whereas Jack still, still has hopefully another three or four, maybe five years it's mm. foresee a possibility that people might think of Jack instead of Eric at 10 in, in a number of years' time? I think there's a huge similarity between those two players, actually. Mm-hmm. And most of it comes down to their um, mental fortitude. Yeah. And, and I think that's where they kind of stand apart in many ways from a lot of other players. Mm-hmm. I think Eric and Jack are quite similar in their... Um, 
their passion for the game and their passion for getting better and their desire to be better and the way they go about being better. And Jack, I mean, Eric went to, 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 to Dublin and, and played for Lansdowne. He broke away from Gold Regions. So he had to go through all those changes in his life. He was only young at the time. Mm. Um, he went to New Zealand for, for a small while as well. To, and I'm sure that was, a, you know, a developmental experience for him. Jack was thrown into, you know, quite a lot. And he's, he's all that time he has coped with it. He's come back from the World Cup a little bit of a battered man for quite a bit of abuse that he got over there and some of it by the media and some of it, I think unfairly, but Jack is a very strong person. And I, I think those two um, have got amazing mental strength and fortitude. And I, I, I put them in, in, in you know, in, in, there's quite a lot of similarities, I believe. And I'm sure that Jack, you know, has the ability to, to go on, you know, as far as and further than Eric. Oh, that sounds, that sounds I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I do have to say one thing, though, and which I, you know, I felt at the time, and even look back, looking back now, I still kind of feel it. And I hope I'm correct in saying it because it's a good thing. But I, I don't think Jack will, has had to or will ever have to carry the province as much as Eric had to. And that, yeah. No, I, yeah. Do you know, and I, I hope Jack never yeah. has to do that. Oh, I think, I mean, absolutely. I don't, I, I don't think anyone at the moment can go past Eric Howard as, as mm. the out half of Connors. And, and I'm assuming we're going to say the same at, at, at um, number nine, because I'm not sure anyone's going to come anywhere near Kieran Marmion. And before you guys jump in, Danny, give us the, give us the stats behind that. Well, uh, Kieran Marmion has 141 starts for Connors, winning 45% of those uh, games. Yeah. And who's next? Uh, he, the person second is Frank Murphy with 83 starts and 39% winning ratio. So, like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it has to be Kieran for me. Um, even, you know, the way he's come back after being like, he's been shamefully treated a number of times by Ireland. Um, and, you know, the way he's come back and even the beginning of this year, he's come back really well. Um, I thought he was excellent against Ulster, but, you know, he... Another guy with massive mental fortitude because of you know the, the what's been thrown at him um, internationally over the years, and to just he comes back. I mean, even think about when he started when Frank Murphy was there, got injured, and all of a sudden it seemed like there was no scrum half, and um, he came out of nowhere. And then we're you know, as fans, we were all talking, we we're saying, you know, when Frank came, became fit again, you you know, it was the talk was like, geez, you couldn't drop. Kieran Marmion, like he's he was he was unbelievable. He was, um, you know, uh, week after week, he another fellow that seemed to do something, pull another trick out of the bag. Everybody remembers, you know, all his sidesteps were were yeah. bananas. His performance against uh, was at Saracen, I thought was one of the best I've ever seen in the sports count. I, I and I don't think we've anybody that has come to that level. Uh, actually, I did think somebody that soldiered on for a long time there was um, Chris Kane or Chris Keane, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. You know, who um, third on the list. Was he okay? Okay, he's yeah. soldiered on there for a good while. But good. to me, to me, you're you know, the argument is for second place. Um, Mar- to just back you up on one. Marmion, there, Packy. Um, yeah. In Marmion's first two seasons, there was only three games he didn't start. Like, come on, you know, scrum half it seems to be one of those positions where you you know you need to have a bit more of an old head on your shoulders. You're bossing the pack. You know, he would have been doing that from you know all his career from when he played underage and that. But it's it's different coming into an adult setting. And, 
take you know taking over. I th- his first couple of seasons he was he was just he was utterly fantastic. What he did with Ireland against um, those that team from down south, what are they called? Um, mm, I don't know. Uh, New Zealand. I'll bring you in here, Dave, just to, in order to let that one go. I'll, I'll bring Dave in. What are your thoughts, Dave? <laughs> uh, he was brilliant, and, and, and when he went onto the wing against not Australia, um, he, he was he was superb there. No, he, unlike Henshaw, Henshaw I saw in the school's final went, yeah, he's going to make it to the very top. Marmion was not talked about and he has never complained, never gone pop, you know, whatever he feels personally, he's never, um, he's never, he's never publicly stated anything that's negative about Connacht or indeed Ireland and he has every right to, but certainly about Ireland. He has been encouraged to leave um, and we have to say the same about Bundy as well and which ties into Linny's point about what do they bring beyond just 80 minutes on a Saturday, Sunday, Friday night I think there is a huge when we talk about the drop off between Eric and Jack to what's underneath them the drop off from Kieran to Connor and Frank is huge and then after that there's I mean remember he kept John Cooney out of the Connick side uh-huh. that's what you need to say about Kieran Marmion I think what I will say about scrum halves is I think all scrum halves tend to be quite good readers of the game. They have to be quite smart. Um, They have to coordinate between backs and forwards. And I think Frank Murphy is a very intelligent man who has gone on to to a great career, a good career as a a referee. Conor McGuinness, obviously, was another fellow who was very bright. He was on the board, I think, of Conor Rugby for quite some time. But Kieran Marmion, he came here as a young lad, which was great. His, you know, he he comes from, he has Irish family, obviously, in Connaught. So he is, he has Connaught blood in him. He has a difference in his life because he has gone through life with his ups and downs, personal ups and downs. He has, he has, uh, at a very young age, he has suffered. He has suffered the loss of his father. And I think it makes a huge difference to a person's ability um, to... I suppose to adapt and 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 to focus on what they want out of life, and I think Kieran is a person who possibly has suffered because he maybe doesn't have the possibly when he, he he's not that confident possibly in speaking in public or that sort of thing. He's been maybe possibly underrated, but I think his strength of character. Is, is beyond doubt and please don't tell me and I know how hard it must have been for him but can imagine being asked by Joe Schmidt mm-hmm. to go to Dublin mm-hmm. after he's been dropped from the World Cup team yeah. to train to train I mean I mean that just you know there was a couple of them I think who went I think just think that takes incredible character and what's really good I think about Kieran now is he's almost like put that behind him and he's on a different road now. He's on a road to, I want to go to the World Cup. I've, I've suffered. I've put it behind me. I want to be the best. And he's also showing a lot more leadership skills. He's being a lot more vocal. I think he's being a lot more vocal on the pitch. And I think he's always had that talent. And, and he had, should have gone. We all know he should have gone to the World Cup, you know. Um, when you're the incumbent number two, you expect... To have gone, and I know what a shock that must have been for Kieran, you know. And so, without a shadow of a doubt, Kieran Mamian is 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 my scrum half. Sounds good to me. Okay, 
let's move into the pack, into the big guys. And we'll start with the front row and we'll take them, we'll almost take them as a full package because I think that you, you could look at it, I think the stats are going to back it up, but you could look at it and, and um, as Lou said, you have Dennis Buckley, a tight head, you have Finley Bealham and in between them, you have Tom McCartney as being like the front row. I know Buckley didn't play in the final, but only because of injury. Um, but you're looking at that, it's almost impossible to look past that in my eyes, but I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think? And we'll start with Dave this time. Yeah, I suppose, I get, but I'm worried about, I keep on recency bias is, is an issue because I they're, they're the best of the last, well, I was going to say the last six or seven years because they were almost for the entirety of that, the, the front row for the last five, certainly four or five years until Tom retired. Hang on, Dave, if you're worried about recency bias, Danny, give us the stats. The most successful front row we've had is uh, Maher, Mulcahy and Finlay with 67% of 12 starts. Uh, well, our, our most used front row is uh, Buckley, McCartney and Bielham, who started 34 games together, winning 44%. But that, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, that would be... Well, my issue with recency bias is I can't... I can't there are certain... I, there are going to be players back in the early days of professionalism who were bloody brilliant who because I didn't see them I can't make a, an informed judgment on them um, and that would be my, my, my that's why I say recency bias I'm surprised given if we're talking about contribution to the Connacht there's a certain Ulster coach missing from that list yeah you're right <laughs> played, over 100, played over 100 games for Connacht Maybe, maybe the youngsters only think he was ever a coach, which is not impossible because he gives the impression of having been born as a 40-year-old coach. Uh, he's a loveliest guy, one of the loveliest guys you'll ever meet. But I'm surprised Dan hasn't been considered. But then, like, when Lockney gets out to the final and starts and, and has, you know, the only reason he didn't play as many games as he did was that he covered three and both sides of the scrum. And then Brett Wilkinson yeah. was top class and probably would have been around for the final yeah. and been injured. There's cool. another one who was. There's another one who contributed to Connacht while he was here, but I presume it was. Well, it was. He was here for three seasons, I think, and that was um, Robbie Morris. Yes. Who was an outstanding, an outstanding, um, you know, uh, prop in his day, and would have gone on for more um, had he not had a back injury and had to retire at I think about the age of twenty-eight or something like that. Lou said, I think seven or eight years ago, there was a chance that there was a very good chance that we wouldn't be talking about Dan's book is the as the starting Lou said mm-hmm. for Connor, we're going to be talking about Dennis Buckley as a rugby player. And he's mm. turning around both on and off the pitch. I mean, he wins scrum penalties for somebody. He's too, he's too small to be a scrum, to be a Lou said. He is A lot of too, Argentinian props to disagree with you. I know, but this, this, is the, this, is, this, is, this is the Irish logic. He doesn't run through people. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Keane Healy... Or or Dave Kilcoyne or any of the any of the other props that are uh, been loose as Ireland spin a pass in the base of a rock as well as Dennis Buckley does. Absolutely. Okay, Lindley, your thoughts. Well, I have done here: Robbie Morris, Ronan Lockney, Dennis Buckley, Brett Wilkinson, and Dan McFarland. Oh, those are the <laughs> those are the one. Two, those are the five players who came to mind when when I was thinking of this. Um, I think we've got more to see from Buckley. Yeah. Ask me in a couple of years, and I might turn around and say Dennis Buckley without a shadow of a doubt. To be honest, I'm. It's not a position that obviously I have huge 
deep understanding because I've never been a prop. I think Dan McFarland was a very intelligent prop, a very technically efficient prop. Um, and I think Ronan Lockney is, is another one who was a very in, intelligent prop. And Brett Wilkinson, look, Brett Wilkinson was, you know, he was a stalwart really for Connacht you know, during some difficult years as well. I really actually have not made my mind up on this position at all. <laughs> okay, Danny, throw some stats in here before I bring in Paki. Sure. Um, well, Brett Wilkinson has started the most games at uh, Loosehead for Connacht with 161, only a 32% winning ratio. Uh, Buckley was in second with 139 starts with a 54% winning ratio. And then in third, but a good bit behind on starts, is Dan McFarland with 57 and only a 42% uh, winning ratio. Well, give me the tight heads while they're there, and then we can then we talk to, the, to, to Niall. Sure. Um, our most capped tight head is uh, Finley Bealham with 79 starts uh, and a 40%, 49% winning ratio. You've IU in second with 54 starts and a 39% winning ratio. Uh, and in third is Peter Bracken with 49 starts and a 49% winning ratio. Oh, wow. And Nathan White one game behind. Niall, your thoughts? We won't talk. We'll bring the hooker in now in a second. I, I'd have to say, Brett Wilkinson, another fellow that was, uh, you know, brought on the cusp of Ireland. You know, he was in Ireland squads, extended Ireland squads, got injured at absolutely rotten uh, times. A fella, he came from club rugby, you know, wasn't in a professional environment and then just, you know, came into That's a club squad. Rugby and just in South Africa club rugby in South Africa. It is. Ah, no. In club rugby in South Africa. But he came in and just, you know, when you thought somebody might start, you know, play a few games, he came in, um, you know, in the front row. And uh, one of the things but from way back, from back then when he started was Connacht had a, had a great pack, grizzly pack. And he was, he was, you know, first name in the, literally first name on the team sheet every day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he was a criminally underused player again. Um, I think he would have, uh, when he naturalised, um, he would have been in great addition in yeah. Ireland at the time. Because I think Lucid was a, was a kind of a, I don't know, it was a weak spot. But, you know, um, you know, shit, that's another story. But uh, I'd have to, I'd have to go for Brett um, at Lucid. Tom McCarthy, then you'd have to say possibly never hit. Well, he did, I suppose. Hit the, I suppose the personal highs of Sean Cronin, but uh, we're talking about for Connacht. So I'd go for, but if he'd Tom scored McCarthy. that try in the final, if, if Sexton hadn't held his hand aboard the ball in the final, that break in the final was one of the greatest ever. Yeah, and he's he's burst. Okay. Like, he was such a cool character, and he's he's burst the language um, <laughs> after you know when he got held up was was fantastic. Got the Sky Sports commentator to apologise actually for the language being used on the television. Um, but do you know what? In in something we forget in all this, and I remember when he when he arrived uh, to Connacht originally, Finlay Beelham arrived really as a kind of a used to call it M- MB prop. He used to you know he could play loose header tight. Still can. Um, he was an awful lot lighter back there. But to do what he's done, Finlay, uh, you know, arriving then becoming. You know, one of the standout tight heads in Ireland at a time when Ireland weren't producing very much. Um, you know, lock, you know, has locked out scrum um, time and time again. Has real matching game awareness, I think. And of course, you'd have to be as a tight head, but like he's a real character. Um, 
I have to say, been like Nathan Mite and Rodney were, you know, great guys, and that Nathan Mite probably came at the tail end of her career, really got the most out of himself. But you'd have to say, you'd have to say, be limit three. That that has to be right. So mm-hmm. I would go for uh, Brett Wilkinson, Malusted, and Tighted uh, Finley Bealham. Oh, actually, well, look, you know, thank you for crystallizing some of those issues that I'm having, <laughs> Becky. Um, because, you, because, you know, because you have, you know, I, I, I'm, I looked at the hookers and I, I think Dave Heffernan is another one who's going to be up there in the future, in a couple of years, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. There was Sean Cronin, Bernard Jackman, who was a very talented player as well, and Adrian Flavin, of course. Um, but I have to, I, I would, I, I would agree. Sorry. And yes, John Fogarty as well. Um, and I know that Nathan White contributed a huge amount when he was here because of, you know, I guess, you know, a lot of at that stage when Nathan White came in, you know, you're, you're looking at a slightly difference in the, the way the game is treated here now and the way the game was treated in New Zealand and his vast experience. And I think he contributed to, to Connacht quite a lot as did Peter Bracken in, in a different way in a younger time. Um, but I, I have to say, I would agree with Brett Wilkinson and Finley Bellum. I, I think, I think the guys have made a brilliant case for Brett and made a brilliant case for Finley. I think, I think, yeah, I have no problem with that. Hookers, I think, I wonder if, if the fans haven't gone with, they've seen what Sean Cronin has done with Leinster and gone, he used to play for Connacht and gone that. Because I don't necessarily think in terms of of all the hookers that have played for us, I think Dave Heff should have been in there. But um, I have no problem with, with as is with Brett, Tom and, and Finley. Okay, there is an interesting stat on the winning percentages uh, for the hookers. Danny, there's only one hooker who's played more than 20 times for Connacht. That's got a better than fifty percent ratio winning ratio. Shane Delahunt with a seventy-one percent winning ratio. Let's go back. Let's go back. So your 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 hookers are you looking at McCartney, Flavin, Fogarty, Cronin, Jackman, Heffernan? Who are you going for, Lindy? Give me your choice. I'll go with McCartney. Dave. Yeah, Tom Mac. And you're not going to want to go for that, Packy. No, no, I have to agree with that, yeah. I just want to jump in here as well. Uh, Tom McCartney is actually the highest scoring front five player for Connacht. He's scoring 40 tries. Wow. Let's move into the second row and the back row, which are going to be <laughs> quite interesting because there's so many people to choose from here. So many. Okay, before we start, Danny, give us a couple of stats on some of these players that we need to, for the second row, we just start with the second row to start with. Four top five starters at four, top five starters at, at five. Don't mean the winning percentages. We don't need them just yet. Okay, just 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 start. Okay, so uh, the person that started the most at four is Michael Swift with 127 starts. Uh, in second is Ulton Delan with 64 starts. Uh, third is Quinn Rue with 49 starts. Four is Christian Short with 39 and five is Dave Gannon with 35. And starting at five, number one is Farley with 146 starts. Second is McCarthy with 64 starts. Third is, is Rue with 39 starts. Four is Andrew Brown with 38 starts. And five is Muldowney with uh, 37 starts. 
Okay, Packy, I'll give you first lash at this. Again, you know, from your position on the back of the field, you'd, you'd be very well cognizant of what second rows are capable of. Absolutely. <laughs> um, where do you go with that? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, Mike Swifty played for so long, you know, uh, I'm sure he played, uh, you know, uh, four, five, and six, six, but seven as well, as somebody was telling me about. You played one game at 100% winning records. One game at There you go. There you go. Um, And, uh, you know, Ulton there, you know, a shooting server player. Um, I said this one I'm looking at here on Andrew Farley, Andy Muldowney, Mike McCarthy, Quinn Roo. It kind of of goes, you kind of look at this and you think uh, Mm. two two of the most iconic players or two players have made the most... um, uh, you know, effect to Connacht are you know the least um, decorated. Yeah. In so far as Mike McCarthy, Quinn Roo, and Ulton Deland played for Ireland quite regularly. You know, mm. Ali Muldowney. You you know that huh. year. I, I suppose people can't look past that year, and it's really difficult to to look past 2016. You know, and and just what Ali Muldowney brought to the game, and I suppose maybe not him on his own. And I'm sure I know there's a lot of New Zealand players, but up here certainly. Mm-hmm. It kind of almost has changed the way, in some ways, that a second row has played the game. You know, yeah. um, you know, they're not just the bean poles you throw the ball to. You yeah. know, they 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 have other uses, surprisingly. Um, but you know, and then Swifty, he's just an icon, really. Like you know, I think everybody's favorite moment is you know one of their favorite moments in watching comments is the try he scored against Leinster. Oh. Um, and then Ulton has just, like I said, another player that, you know, had tough times and, you know, made a big, big decision when he was quite young. And then to see what Mike McCarthy did for Ireland, you know, he really came on as a player. Jeez, I don't know where to begin on this. I probably, personally, would uh, would go Ulton and Dali Muldowney. I think um, I'm only looking at it in, uh, uh, you know, for, for mm. what they achieved that year. And I know the other guys weren't playing that year. But um, I think they were they were utterly top class. The stats back you up on this, Packy. Uh, the partnership of Ali Muldowney and Ulton Delan has a seventy-five percent winning ratio. Oh, there you go. Case closed. The fullback knows what he's talking about. The fullback knows what he's talking about. Okay, Lindley, what are your thoughts? As a servant of Connacht Rugby and a continual servant of Connacht Rugby who produced so much, you can't go past Michael Swift without a shadow of a doubt. Um, he's an iconic figure. He, you know, we know that. And he's an iconic figure in Connacht. And he gets a reception he gets because of what he produced on the pitch and because he's such a generous person in spirit, you know. And um, so he, he's definitely one of, my, one of my two choices. I... Once again, I hesitate to give. I, I'm I'm looking at Alton Delan, and I don't think he's the best yet. I think we haven't seen. I think use the word yet. What? I like the use. Of no, the word I don't yet. think we've seen the best. I don't think we've seen the best from Alton yet. Yeah. You know, Alton was a, a is a player of huge potential, and obviously, you know, had some had you know a, a difficult a difficult period for a while there. And he's coming out of it, and and that's brilliant. And I think he's going to mature into a much better player um, in 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 the years to come. So I'm looking at 
Ellie Muldowney because of the what he added to Connet in a very, very special time. He has he has the the power and the, the you know the bulk. He has the he had the mindset. He had he contributed you know to a team coming from you know from England. And I just look at Ali and what what he produced that year. And and to be honest, to this day, do not believe he should ever have been let go. I'm going to say Swift and Maldani. And that's not forgetting the two contributions of Dame, both Damien and Andrew Brown, who have, you know, who are local lads who have, have produced a huge amount for the club. And, 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 and my choice, my one that I'd be thrown into the second row, and I know I'm not meant to be because I'm only hosting this, but we Andrew Farley, who was a phenomenal player. Yeah, I agree. And yes, yes, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. No, I, I totally agree, and and you're right. You know, Andrew was a, made a huge contribution on on not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. You know, we talk, I know we're talking about the best players on the pitch, but you know, as a contribution to Connacht Rugby, one of the most polite Australian players. Gentleman, he was a gentleman. Yeah, oh, brilliant. You know, I have to say, look, this. I have to say, you know, this. I'm going to be truthfully honest here. There's a huge difference between New Zealanders and Australians. <laughs> if anyone hasn't realised that yet, <laughs> think about New Zealanders. Think about New Zealanders. That all New Zealanders play rugby. The thing about Australians is that most of the posh boys play rugby because they go to private schools. So they're very well educated and they're very polite. And Andrew was one of those. He was a total gentleman. And I, 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 I haven't put him on the list because I think that. For this, for the the time that was in it, Ali Maldani produced a huge amount to get that trophy. He certainly did. Okay, Dave, you're going to have the deciding choice here. It's one of those horrible ones. You ask me tomorrow, I'll pick, I'll pick two guys that we haven't even talked about yet. It, I, I think you have to go. We have to go. Who would the be- I mean, it's on the pitch. I mean, we have to be, we're being ruthless. We've got to talk about who contributed the most on the pitch. I could, oh, another day. I'd even think, crikey, all right. And again, in a couple of years' time, we'll be talking Thornbury. We really will be. Um, I just think that that, what have Connacht won on the pitch and who was central to it? And even though, it, I suppose, you have the situation where he wasn't here that long, but he made a huge amount of difference to what happened on the pitch, and therefore Ali has to be, because he was central to what Pat was trying to do. With no Ali Muldowney, it may have happened, but it may not have been as successful. And we saw what ha- what's happened since we tried to replicate it when he wasn't there. It didn't work as well because it's not in the skill sets of the other players. They bring something else to the table. Alton is going, is, again, his, what he's done so far has been superb, where he's brought himself from. Some of the stories I've heard of what he did off the pitch to make himself a rugby player. And remember for a lot, he lost a year as well through, um, through a ligament injury when he was like 19. So, Quite, quite impressive what he's done. Andrew Farley, you don't play 100 games for Connacht in those days when you're more likely to lose than win. I suppose ultimately, and what, right at this moment of time and when we're recording this, because I can say with the back rows and the, and the second rows, I could change my mind easily tomorrow, is if you can outrun Andrew Conway as a second row to score in a corner, you kind of got something. And if you can play 250 times for a team that is, again, I come back to, is more likely on paper to lose than win. 
and you can be a second row who sets up a men's grooming company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, now, right now, it's Swifty and Muldowney. Okay, on to probably the most competitive area in the whole of the field in six, seven, and eight. And Danny, you can tell us who do we have two players who've played in every position in the back five. Who are they? Boom Brigney and Michael Swift. Michael Swift is in there yet again. Um, but the back three, so we're looking at or the back three, sorry, the back row. You're looking at the fans' choice. By the way, we've gone more or less with the fans' choice all the way along, apart from from um, Matt Austin, who jumped in. The fans hadn't obviously thought about it enough, but every, everywhere else, we're, we're doing pretty well with the fans' choice. But the back row, we're looking at six, Rayo Fisa, Owen McKeown, or Andrew Brown, who has been mentioned in the second row. At seven, Johnny O'Connor, Colby Fienga, and uh, Willie Falloon. And in the back row, John Muldoon, George Naupu and Jared Butler. And of course, Muldoon could have been picked at six there based on his stats. Mm. Um, Lindy, we'll let you go first on this one. I had John Muldoon at six. I was looking at two players who were, I think, pretty obvious uh, at seven. And obviously, a great hometown lad. Yeah. Who some some people believed he'd never play for Connacht. Um for, for Ireland, and that was Johnny O'Connor, who had to go to Wasps, um, and Ray Afisa. I think Ray Afisa came at a time and contributed a huge amount to that position. And at number eight, um, I didn't go past George Nayupu. Look, I, look, it sounds like I'm being a total sort of down under. No, 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 George no. Nayupu and. Uh, <laughs> There was a, there, and, and the funniest thing is there was a young player who I always admired at number eight many years ago, and that was John O'Sullivan. That's who I was going to um, be fine player, yeah. Yeah, fabulous player. Well, I'm glad someone else thought of that because, I, I you know, I, I, I think he was a talent that was totally lost. Yeah, I, I, I thought he had a huge, I thought he had huge potential and his name was always as, as a player who had potential. But unfortunately, he, he wasn't able to fulfill that here in Connacht. Um, so my selections for six, seven, eight are... John Muldoon, Johnny O'Connor, George Naupin. Okay. Dave? Yeah, I think Linny has pretty much explained why. I think there's a few other guys we need to think I think, I think we've been slightly... We've struggled at seven. We've never really had a consistent seven apart from, from Johnny Concrete. Um, I'm surprised Willie. I'm surprised Willie Falloon was so high because he, he's kind of one of those forgotten guys. He obviously made an impression on the fans. I would have, again, looking at we, we mentioned Nee playing for you know being part of the Bristol setup. Uh, Jake Heenan was also, is also part of the Bristol setup, and he, you know, he was he was very badly affected by injuries. Johnny Johnny's a shoe in at seven because Colby wasn't here long enough. But Johnny Johnny was something special. I mean. At the time when Wasps could have picked any seven from around the world with the, with the cash they had at the time, they picked him. And then, and then Ray Ofisa as a six. Ray Ofisa was huge for Connacht in those transitional phase from 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 went through from Mike Bradley through through Eric and into the very very. I don't think he was here for Pat. It would have been interesting what Pat could have done with Ray, but unfortunately, you know, you know, we couldn't. You know, he moved on, and then. Then the big debate is at eight because I think, and this is, I'm going to let Niall explain what he said, but Niall has a big 
issue with what's happened to comics since George and I reboot. And I think what George brought was exceptional. I'm going to be completely contrary. And just because I, I saw more of Mull at eight than six. Uh, I saw them both at eight. But because I saw Mull more at eight than six, I'm going to put George at six and Mull at eight, just to be contrary. Mackie, before I bring you in to get your thoughts, um, Danny, just give, just throw a couple of stats out there about a couple of those back row players. Because there's one player in, in, the, in the open side that's not been mentioned. That's not, and it's fair enough because he played at a, a time when Connick weren't very successful. And that was Matt Lacey. Yeah, um, well, I'll give you an interesting one. Uh, Connick have had 100, or 221 uh, different partnerships in the back row. How many uh, games have we played? We've actually played uh, 554. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but out of those, out of the back row, uh, we only have uh, eight of those back row partnerships that have started more than 10 games together. Our most starts at six, uh, as we said earlier, was John Muldoon with 167 starts. Uh, the next closest was Michael Swift with only 60. Uh, then we had Andrew Brown with 46. Um, and I'll just jump across to seven, where Johnny O'Connor, by far, again, was uh, has the most starts with 112 starts. Next was uh, Lacey with 63. And in third was Ray Fisa with 62. And just to finish out on eight, uh, John Muldoon was, again, uh, the most started at eight with 111. Then you had Cullum Rigney with 80 and George Nopi with 69 starts. Okay, Paki, has that helped you? With any of your decisions there? I think I'd go with the same back row as Lindley. Well, I think it's the same back row as Lindley. Uh, I'd have John Muldoon at six. Way back, you know, just before he broke his arm that time, or when he was playing for him, he was phenomenal. Like he, I'd say he was probably the top six uh, in the league at the time. Uh, but, well, he was bordering on the top six that was there, you know, including yeah. all the, the the monster guys. They, the, they were seemed to have a monopoly on the... Ireland back row at the time way back then um, but I just felt he was he was at that level and it, it was shame, it was a shame that he broke his arm that time I probably would go for him at six just for the purposes of this and Johnny O'Connor I think just has to be the seven and um, the first incarnation of George Noku at eight for me <laughs> <laughs> very good very good okay Danny we're missing one player there that needs to be brought out he's only just retired Give us some stats on him. Uh, Owen McKeown. Um, yes. He's the most successful six Connacht have had. He's 30, at starting. He's 35 starts with a 57% winning ratio. When he, he also started quite a few games at seven. He was the second uh, most, most successful when starting at seven with uh, 62% as well uh, off 13 starts. And at eight, he, had, he started 54 times at eight with a 39% winning ratio. We'll, we'll stick a one on the bench because I think that, that he sort of covers every position in the back row. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to throw in somebody that, that, you know, I suppose when I arrived in, in, in Galway back in, in the the late 90s, um, went to watch my first game and the player that stood out by a mile for me for Connacht was a guy called Junior Charlie, who I did not believe <laughs> play rugby the way he played rugby. It was just amazing to watch. The guy was just a metronome of power and speed and everything. Mm. Was, you know, I just I just wanted to throw him in there because you know I just thought he was an amazing rugby player and, and was one of the reasons I supported Connacht over my native Leinster <laughs> because I just thought he was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was that. He was the first. He was the first of a breed, wasn't he? Really, of 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 New Zealanders who came over here. I suppose. I suppose at the instigation of of, of Warren Gatland, yeah. and they really brought and added a huge amount at that particular time when it needed to be added to Connacht. To be to be fair, and I think in many ways they showed the way forward. Uh, the way to play the game and the attitude they had to the game and the professionalism sometimes they brought to the game as well as the humor if you could understand their humor um and yeah uh junior tally an amazing an amazing an amazing player and you know who um i think contributed a huge amount to that particular time in in in, in Connett's, you know uh, history he certainly did okay that's great stuff, guys. I think that's. I think we've picked a, a pretty decent side there. I think it's not that far off the, the side that the fans picked. I think we're only looking at maybe two positions that are different. And Rayo Fusa has been dropped from the fans, and we brought in George Naupu and moving Mull back to six. And then we we brought in um, for for his versatility. I think we brought in Matt Mostyn um, over Adi Loke, and everything else was was pretty much the same. So um, we'll we'll post the team up on the on our Twitter page, and um, that was good fun. Thanks, everybody. Nothing changes Sad and confused Don't wait until